The following resource is presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. Welcome to A Counselor's Point of View. Hi, my name is Steve Finney and I will be your host. Today's topic is Men, Morality, and Cultural Identity. Thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoy our show. I'm sorry, but if, if you don't think that the enemy is not throwing whispers at you once in a while, you don't understand how the spiritual world works. You can be driving down the freeway and all of a sudden there's, look to your right. Well, Satan, do you think Satan would say something like that? In, uh, maybe not him personally. He's got little agents that help him out, of course. He will. It's called luring. It's called seduction. You cannot, have, you cannot be seduced without a voice. So all of a sudden you, you're looking or you're having thoughts like you haven't had in weeks or months and sometimes with some guys for years. They're praising God one day or, or one minute and the next day they're, they're in trouble with immorality. It's called an attack. This guy's very good at what he does. He's the prince of the world and we're walking around on it why this one will be destroyed and will be given a new earth as it says in Revelation. it's not much good about this earth anymore prince of the power of the air well, he's in the air it's all around us there's another verse that says we do not fight flesh and blood but powers of darkness principalities of the air in fact that is that verse and when you're dealing with a conflict person You've got to get as good as Jesus is because he is living in you so he will be as good as he is because he is who he is doing it through you. So when that conflict person is in your face, in your mind you can say, Satan, get you behind me. He will know that you're not accusing this person of being angry at you. You're looking through them and seeing this is not flesh and blood. That's a person that lives by grace. Destroyer. Yep. He certainly is that. Tempter, we just kind of walked through what that looked like. Evil one, you take the, the uh, word evil and you just add a D to it and you've got devil. It is certainly one of his names. The one who practices evil. He is a god of this age. Little G. Satan's limited power kind of looks like this. Believers should not ignore his power. There are many Christians who act like it's not that big a deal. They just go on about their lives thinking, you know, that uh, like he doesn't exist. And um, not only do they need to remember he exists, but he has been given limited power. Number two, he has authority over demons. We don't know how many angels there were. He took a third of them. Well, we don't know how many there are. I don't think it really matters. But he's got authority over them. Number three, he has a throne. It tells us in Revelation. He rules a kingdom. His kingdom is here on earth. He masquerades himself as an angel of light. Looking good. If you think the Antichrist is going to come in a black hood with blood dripping out of the corner of his mouth, you've been, you've been deceived. He will be very, very, very beautiful. 
In fact, I don't think you're going to be able to tell if it's male or female. That's my personal thinking on it. Number six, it says meeting places. In fact, that scripture talks about God calling him out of his meeting place on earth. Very organized. In many cases, more organized than the Christians. Number seven, power to oppress it, to oppose angels. Number eight is holds the unsaved in bondage. Just throws a temptation, piece of steak to him once in a while to keep him unsaved. Power is limited to what God gives him. That's very clear in Job. And then number ten, needs permission to attack. That also is in that same Job passage. Number eleven, his field of attack is the earth. It's limited to the earth, by the way. He can't even get to Saturn. And that'll create some interesting discussion if you think about it. Number one, the author of sin. That's Genesis is pretty clear on that. Two, causes sickness and suffering. Number three, is has the power of death. And number four, provides snares or traps for men. Boy, that's a given. Number five, injects wickedness into the hearts uh, of men. Driving down the highway and you have this thought, or look over here. You know, you call it self-talk. Sometimes it's more than self-talk. Six, steals God's word from men's hearts. Now tonight, there's a lot of word thrown at you. In fact, I believe what has been presented tonight is life-changing. But the odds are all of you running out of this room going, I'll never be the same after tonight. The odds are that maybe one, maybe two of you will have your life changed because of tonight. And the rest of you are going to file this as some very interesting information. That is scary. That's the pieces he can steal immediately. But the ones walking out of here going... I'm never touching another piece of pornography again. I'm not investing in this guy's plot. I am mad at what he's doing. The game he's playing has got reason behind it. I am going to stop this. He can't steal that. Because your vigor is going to a belief. He can't steal it. So I wish it was all of us walking away with strong convictions, but it just doesn't work that way, I'm afraid to say. Strategically places all of his followers, pretty organized. Number eight, attempts to torment God's people. And the reason why I put attempts, because he does not get the job done very often. And I know you hear the wicked stories of people under attack and they, you know that. You look at the, the numbers as a whole, he doesn't do a real good job at it. There's a lot more victorious Christians than you know or realize. That doesn't mean they're perfect, but their minds is set on knowing God a little more and a little more. You see? Little growth means you're always moving this way. Some of us like going like this. Give me more, give me more, give me more. And others are like this. That's enough information for tonight. You know what? I honor and respect that. Three inches got out of that guy today in counseling. Yes. But if they're not doing this, they're doing this. 
No one ever stands still. And he knows that. And that's why he does all the above there. Hinders God's mission. Certainly tries to. Number 10, even though Paul actually says that he couldn't get to such and such a place because Satan hindered me from coming. So there is sometimes an appearance of success. Number two, 10, accuses believers uh, before Christ. So when you masturbate, you know, day after tomorrow, because maybe you're one of the guys that 72% of all married guys still masturbate. Maybe you're one of those guys, you're feeling a little bit guilty or whatever. Satan goes before Christ and says, you know what? Vinny is still masturbating. Can you believe that? You know what? You know how Christ responds? I dealt with that a long, long, long time ago. He's, he is victorious. Yeah, but I watched him do it. He's free. My son's free. For I will even use that to grow him more and more to know me. That's how Christ responds. Oh, no, not the accuser trying to get us to get Christ to go. Yeah, he is a nasty one, isn't he? No, Jesus is never going to respond to me that way. Or you, if you're born again. You've been redeemed, made alive. Satan's destiny, I love this part. Under a sentence of doom, number two, he's under uh, unending uh, curse. Number three, permanently removed from heaven. Number four, we'll be bound to the bottomless pit. That sounds very good. Number five, soon to be eternally consigned to the lake of fire. That'll add a new meaning to his name. And then uh, this is, this is uh, our victory. This is what God gave us. Number one, Satan was defeated on the cross. He is a maniac without good common sense. That war permanently was dealt with on the cross. It's done. It's over. So there is no war. Then why in the world do we have to put our armor on? Why do we have to have our sword in hand? Why is the Bible referred to spiritual warfare? Because there's a maniac in your house. And believe me, guys, if there's a maniac in your house and you're not going to, hopefully you're not going to sit on the couch passively watching him destroy your family. You're going to grab a butter knife. You're going to grab the bat. You're going to grab, you know, whatever. You're going to do what you can to protect your domain. Now, I wish we all did that spiritually. But the reality is that war was terminated the day Jesus took his last breath. And he's entering our homes trying to get you to believe there still is a war. Because he's got his battle gear on. He's got his little dagger. I got my sword. You see? Even the fighting tools are, there is, there is no comparison. He's over there going, you know, with his little dagger. And we got this flaming sword coming out. And all we got to do is hold it up. And he freaks out. Let alone pierce it through his heart. He won't get close enough to you to have that thing go through his heart. There's only one being that gets to do that. The day is coming for it. Only one being gets to do that, and that's God. That's why when you pull out your flaming sword, living sword, he freaks out. He's got to take a little hike. Number two, believer, <clears throat> you as a believer, has, the, uh, has Christ's victory in them? If you do believe, 
Christ lives in you, all the victory of heaven is inside you too. Three believers are set free from his power. He just wants you to think you're not. Number four, a believer has ongoing victory. Yield to God first, then resist the devil. It's the verse I was quoting earlier. Uh, don't give the enemy a foothold. What a foothold means is uh, it's like um, every footprint he puts in your life, he gains temporary ownership of. He really doesn't have ownership. It's kind of like you buying your house. Government actually owns it. They can take it from you anytime they want to put a freeway through. Believe me. But they want you to think you're an owner. That's how the enemy works. In reality, you own or God owns the turf. But he just wants you to feel like you've lost total authority over that one little area of your life. Not so, it's a lie. Put on the whole armor of God which is going to be what your study is going to be about. Do not uh, accuse others in judgment, which is what leads you into deeper strongholds. Avoid hypocritical actions. That list can go on as long as you want it to. And then uh, honor God's will through deliverance. That's going to be talked about more later. Your testimony is, your, is to be consistent to all men. Very critical. And then daily guard against pride. What goes before a fall again? Pride. And then use the word of God to do the actual battling. <clears throat> Here is a, um, the pieces I threw out on the slide through uh, Elizabeth Elliot's quote in respects to being strong in conviction. The strength of the man starts with his beliefs. That's kind of what we've been talking about. Strength comes through strong convictions. And then the strong standing is a man stands only in what he believes. So if I've got my mind set on the fact that I believe one plus one equals one in marriage, because one plus one plus one equals one in the us, the image of God, then I go, now that's an easy belief. You see, now I've got convictions about marriage. Now I'm willing to stand up for the institution of marriage. As soon as you stand up, for some reason, people look at people standing up and they go, do I want to follow this guy? All the movements in Washington and down the state capitol and in your church, whatever, all this, someone stood up. They stood up on and had convictions about an issue. Pretty soon they have a little committee formed. Pretty soon there's about 20 going to the capitol. Pretty soon there's 250 from the church going to the capitol. Pretty soon they're all taking trips to Washington. This is what's going on. And then a man who truly stands is immovable in what he actually believes. So the areas you are immovable in are the actual areas you have convictions in. If I can move you in it, you really don't have convictions in it. You're just getting started. But you really don't have convictions yet. Satan cannot move you in areas you have conviction in. He can't do it. Has to wait till the convictions are gone. A man of convictions is a very strong man. Strong in leading, a man who stands is a man who leads. Just comes with the deal. Standing leaders create standing followers. That's what I was referring to earlier. And finally, strong in suffering. True leaders are leaders who are willing to suffer, first of all, for those that they love. 
or a stranger in many cases, and then suffer for themselves. Now keep in mind, biblically speaking, there's only two reasons for suffering. For your sins or someone else's. From the Greek, those are the only two avenues of suffering that is found in the Greek throughout the whole New Testament. You're either suffering because of your sin or you've chosen to suffer because of someone else's sin. God wants us to move all of our suffering over to because of someone else's sin. Helping people. They slap you. You turn the cheek. You're helping them. Suffering because you're helping That's where he wants to move us. For our struggles are not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. You know where the heavenly places are, guys? It's in this room. It's in your bedroom tonight. It's when you get in your car tomorrow. It's going to be in the office. They're all around you. And they don't want you to know that. That would make a great movie. But after I said that when I was preparing this material, you know, the Lord responded back in my soul and went, they're making them now. (laughs) Think about how many spiritual movies there are today. And video games and you know the list. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for tonight. And I saw, Father, uh, the look on uh, some of the men's faces tonight of, thank God I'm hearing this message, and God, some of boredom. And I just pray, Father God, that you would touch all of our hearts with your truth. Not just this message, Father, just your truth. I just pray that your truth is embraced, that we hear the alarm clock and and we get up, we get out of that lethargic existence. But I know that even has to be done through the living spirit that lives inside of us. So, Father, I thank you for burdening me to pray for all these men for these 30 days. Father God, and if you are putting an idea together of gathering all of us that did go through it in 30 days to have a little breakfast or lunch to talk about testimonies, I just pray that would come together. But whatever you got in store here, Father, we just look forward to it. Father, I'm sure the enemy is going to do his 48-hour deception thing, and I just ask that uh, you would please protect the hearts and minds of all of the believers here tonight. That the enemy cannot come along and steal those seeds of truth. May they be guarded and protected and experience it. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Father. And Father, we love your Holy Spirit. And we pray that whatever you said tonight would go to the very depths of our hearts. God, you know we only pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We are so appreciative of you joining us for this broadcast. If you would like a uh, full copy of this message, please log on to our website and, and click on the Resource Center. Scroll down until you see the CD titled Men in Morality. Thank you for joining us. 
and we look forward to our next broadcast with you. This resource has been presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. For more information about our ministries, visit us online at iomamerica.org. That's iomamerica.org.